0: Awesome. Well, good morning, church. Glad to be up here again and speaking to you and continuing on in our Holy Spirit sermon series. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 1 uh, a lot this morning. And so if you want Bibles in front of you or if you have your own iPhone, it's great too. Uh, Let me just pray. Jesus, thank you uh, again for this morning. And thank you for the reminders of who you are and who your spirit is in us. And I ask that as I speak that it would be your words, not my own anything is not of you, would it be forgotten? And uh, instead, Lord, would you move with power? Would you move with purpose? And would all of us be transformed by, by your word this morning? Amen. The question I, I want to explore this morning together is, what is the gospel? And how do we share it? And so there, I kind of want to open the floor a little bit. What are, what are some things important when we when we discuss the gospel? What does a gospel mean? This is a youth technique that I'm using to keep you engaged. <laughs> when I say the gospel, what do you what do you think? Love, Love good news. What else? Life? Hmm? Life. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus? Absolutely. Freedom? Yeah? Love? Love. Community? Absolutely. Truth. Yeah. That's a little uncomfortable for everyone. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> It's important, right? All these words, freedom, truth, love, good news, Jesus, right? All of these things, uh, it, it adds to the, it, it's the diamond-like characteristic of the gospel, right? And Jesus died for our sins, redeemed, all these important things, right? And, and it's this idea that there are, as you look kind of at a diamond, the, the, the entirety of it cannot be explained by just looking at one of its faces, but the beauty of it can be seen. Right And similarly, the gospel and and the truth about how God transforms our life, when we share that, it may not hit every single doctrinal point of the gospel, but it does reflect the goodness and the beauty of God and invite people to look into the beauty of who Jesus is. And so this morning, as we talk about the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the freedom that's found in his name, the love that is offered from God, I, I want us, what I've come to understand, what I hope to share is that our witness... That, that our expression of who God is is anchored in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so the pastor Sam has been sharing with us the important of the importance of transformation in a in a Christian's life and how you need to continually be immersed in in the Spirit because when you're continually immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit, there's areas of your life that are burned away like chaff from the wheat and being continually immersed is, is coming to know that you can experience everything that Jesus died and rose again for today. It's an unveiled look at the Father and permission to enter into his presence as a child enters into the presence of his father. And this is important as we continue in to talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? We we experience the, the transformation, and now what happens after? What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And it's not to say that we need to have everything figured out, that our lives need to be perfect in order to, be, to see fruit in our lives. It's actually the opposite. It's, it's, knowing about, it's knowing that all we have to offer, whether through preaching or through good works or through prophecy or through words of knowledge, all that we have to offer in those things is an opportunity for someone to hear and to respond to the good news of Jesus. And we're talking about witness or the word evangelism. And that, you know, that word can get a little weird. <laughs> or if you've grown up in church, you kind of think of programs. You think of traveling speakers or courses on how to evangelize your entire neighborhood. And not to say that those things aren't effective or necessary at times, but what we're talking about today uh, isn't necessarily the program. It's not about the, the big thing. It is, it is witness. It is daily witness anchored in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we're going to look into the book of John, and if I, if I can have a favorite gospel, I don't know if that's allowed, but John is my favorite. <laughs> John's pretty great. <laughs> Melissa, did you say John is Jesus' favorite? Oh, because it's this. A, good, yeah. Nice. Beloved. <laughs> yeah, so, so John is this beautiful narrative of, of, of patterns and symbols that he's woven together to highlight that Jesus himself is the Savior of the world, is the Messiah that he is sent to be the one and true sacrifice for the sin of the world. And John highlights in his book that this Jesus that he's writing about, this Jesus who does the miracles, who shows the sign, who, who teaches that he is still alive and active today. And that by responding to his life and teaching that you can have abundant and eternal life, and so John starts his narrative with this poem that highlights that that the breath of God that was in creation is now walking among people as Jesus the Nazarene. And so everything he writes, he points his readers to Jesus as God so that all who can believe in his name can have eternal life. That's John's purpose. That's why he wrote the book. And so there's the that poetic intro, and then we get introduced to John the Baptist, who is not the author of John, but, but he is someone who says, I have come to bear witness to the light of salvation, but I myself am not the light. And so this is where we are picking up uh, in John chapter 1, verses 29. It says this, The next day he, being John, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel." And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned, saw them, following, and said to them, "'What are you seeking?' And they said to him, "'Rabbi,' which means teacher, where are you staying?' And he said to them, "'Come, and you will see.' So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for, it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "'We found the Messiah,' which means Christ.' He brought him to Jesus, looked at him, and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So you see that every testimony begins with Jesus' invitation to come and see. John said it best, Behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We see John the Baptist here. He's an example of what it looks like to have your life radically transformed by an encounter and knowledge of Jesus he knew that he had to become less so that Jesus could become more. He knew that he was not worthy to even untie the sandal straps of the one who he's proclaiming to be the Son of God. And John knew that his role was to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry and proclaim the worthiness of the one who comes baptizing with the Holy Spirit. And, and it's not something that is fearful in John the Baptist. It's not something that we see like he's forced to say these things, but because God through his spirit, he, John, you know, said it a lot, the spirit revealed to him that the one who the spirit descended on was, was the one that he had to proclaim, that he was witnessing to. This was revealed to John, the mission of Jesus, to take away the sin of the world and to give people the Holy Spirit. So, this isn't coerced. This is a joyful, exuberant proclamation of incredible news for all people within John the Baptist's f- sphere. To the people of Israel, John's proclaiming the goodness of all the promises that Israel has been waiting for, that, that the Savior is coming to release his people from captivity, that Emmanuel, God with us, is here. The good news that the Passover lamb has arrived in the form of man and the nature of God to release his people from sin. Through study and through preparation, John allowed the Spirit to highlight Jesus as the true nature and the true character of God. And we're all invited to do the same thing, right? Time spent soaking in the word of God, seeking him in prayer. Those are the most time-tested avenues for, for growing faith, the most time-tested things to understanding who, who Jesus is. In Bible college, I, uh, it's one of those things they say, they, you're going to read the Bible a lot, but don't make the Bible a textbook. And so I was, I was reading the Word of God daily, right? But it absolutely became a textbook, and it became a means for me to impress people with knowledge. And uh, a little after I graduated, I read a book by J.I. Packer said knowing, and, and called Knowing God. And uh, in it was this quote. He says, Our aim in studying the Godhead must to be to know God himself better. Our concern must be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with the doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God, whose attributes they are, as He is the subject of our study and our helper in it, so He must be the end of it. We must seek in studying God to be led to God. It was for this purpose that revelation was given, and this, uh, and it is to to this use that we must put it. And I read this book and this phrase. It was in the intro of this book, and uh, I, I was—I I think I cried because I realized I would wasted a, a lot of time and I wasted a lot of years um, because I was studying God as a means to an end. I was studying God to, uh, to receive freedom from habitual sins in my life. I was studying God to receive boldness, to preach impressive sermons. I was studying God to uh, receive a special gifting so that people would come to know God but, like, thank me for it because I helped, right? the end itself was not to know God and it was not to, to delight in him. But for me, it was, it, it was for me to be better. And, and this realization and, and kind of the after effect of it is, is changing the way that I study the Bible and the way that I pray because I want to study the scripture to know the goodness of God, to, to live in it, to, to have it live in me. I want to pray in partnership with the scriptures so that my life would reflect a delight in the Lord. And then I want to show others the joy that comes from from the very presence of God himself and say, behold, the the Savior of the world, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. The disciples who heard John uh, proclaim these words, immediately they leave their teacher to see and to follow Jesus. And then we hear the first words from Jesus in this gospel. And he says, what are you seeking? I think it's a probing question for us this morning as well. What are you seeking? You know, you're in church today. you're watching online. What are you seeking? Are you seeking wholeness where you felt empty? Are you seeking healing where you feel broken? Are you seeking an intellectual reason to believe there is a God? Seeking to make a mark, impress friends, seeking to give God one last chance? Seeking to check a box to earn your way to heaven? What are you seeking? And the disciples, they respond in an unusual way by they say, We we want to know where you live. (laughs) And Jesus, you know, he doesn't just answer the question and send them back to John. He says, Come and see. See, within our questions, within our seeking, Jesus doesn't bend a knee to the question, give us the answer, send us on our way. What he does is he invites, Come and see. It's an invitation to enter into relationship and an invitation to enter into presence. Come and see. Come and delight in my presence. Come and experience life abundant with me. And considering and and desiring these other things that, that kind of I listed off and I mentioned and these questions and these hopes and these desires, it's not a bad thing. But Jesus is not a means to an end. Jesus is himself the end. This morning, this invitation of Jesus to come and see. So, so what are we going to do with the invitation? Do we sit back and, and wait until he finally gives us the answer? Or do we surrender our seeking, surrender our agenda and follow the presence of God, the light of the world who reveals what is hidden in the corner of our hearts, transforms all that is not leading to abundant and everlasting life? Come and see. So invitation is given to the disciples, and, and then we get these two disciples, one of them named Andrew, and it says immediately after he spent the day with Jesus, immediately after entering into the presence, he leaves to go and find his brother, right? And he goes, and he finds Simon, and, and he brings Simon to Jesus, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, you, your name is going to switch. You are now Cephas, or you are going to be the rock on which the church is built. And it shows that an experience of Jesus calls for a witness to Jesus, Andrew didn't sit on the good news. He didn't just, you know, stay with Jesus. He's like, people need to know. My brother needs to know. I need to witness to my brother. And it's the nature of Christian experience that those who enjoy the experience want to share that experience with others. Andrew's testifying to what he knows to be true. And what I love about the two stories so far between John the Baptist and between Andrew is there's no jealousy, right? And there's no, there's no selfish drive in this. See, John doesn't see his disciples leaving and just try to fish them back. He knows what his mission is. He wants to bring people to Jesus. Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, and Jesus is like, you're getting a new name, and Andrew stays Andrew. <laughs> right? But there's no jealousy in that either. They are simply interested in seeing the kingdom of God and King Jesus glorified. And so the question that comes out of that is, is are, are you proclaiming what you know to be true? And attention tension that comes out of this when we talk about witnesses, is, well, I don't, I don't really have, like, the knowledge. I don't have a testimony. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so there's not much that I can do. But we're talking about not the unique gift of evangelism. We're talking about the power to witness to God's goodness every single day. And we see this in Acts eight, uh, Acts 1, 8 that says, But you and this is the disciples of Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Right, The power of the Holy Spirit entering and indwelling believers, not necessarily for, for, well, it is for miraculous signs, and it is for wonders, all these things, but it is to witness, the power to witness in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So the challenge is if you spent time in the presence of God, then you have a testimony of God's transformation of your mind, of your heart, of your experience moving from darkness to light. If you've experienced a facet of the gospel that we mentioned in the beginning, then you are empowered to witness because you know, believe the Son of God and the Spirit is in you. I was driving someone home the other day and and, uh, someone that I went to high school with and we were just chatting about high school and and kind of how our, our paths diverged. And he mentioned, he's like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Now I can really only connect with people when, when I'm drunk or I'm high because I just, I'm so isolated and I, I can't put myself forward and I can't, I haven't been able to find any connection with anyone. And I said, that's, that's really hard. And that's a reason why I actually really love the church that I'm at because there is a group of people that, that show Connection that show love, that welcome into community, that invite me to, to come with my doubt and come with my pains and, and push me back to, to understanding who Jesus is and, and push me back to faith. We witness to what we know is true. Right? And this is coming from someone who's, uh, who has actually been marked as a very bad evangelist. <laughs> I did a course once uh, with Sid and we, it was kind of like a church planners, church leaders course. And uh, they marked us at the end. And evangelism, I got like one out of ten. <laughs> it's <was> whack. <laughs> it's pretty hard. So I, I, didn't, I didn't do well, right? But, so I'm not a good evangelist, but, but I, I can share good news, right? I'm not a good evangelist, but, but I can share what I know to be true. I'm not a good evangelist, but, but I can share what I've experienced God do in my life, what I see him Doing in other people's life, what when when people share their brokenness to say, "I know someone who enters into that brokenness who actually transforms it," right? And, and that's something that happens daily when we pray for it. And so this week, taking that that time to pray and say, "God, I know you. I've seen you in this. Give me an opportunity to share it." It's scary, but but that is the Holy Spirit empowering for witness. We get introduced to two more characters. Philip and Nathaniel, and uh, Philip's conversion is uh, is different than the others. You know, Jesus says, "Follow me," and Philip says, "I'm sold. I'm in." All right, All right, and then immediately Philip goes and finds his friend Nathaniel, and uh, he says, "Nathaniel, we found him. The fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, is walking among us. Jesus of Nazareth." And and immediately we see Nathaniel's prejudice. He says, "Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And then Philip says, do you remember? He says, come and see. Right? This is a parallel to what Jesus said. Jesus, where are you saying? Come and see. N- Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. Come experience Jesus for yourself. And so this is the other encouragement. If you don't feel like your testimony is enough, you don't feel like you have enough to share the gospel of Jesus, Philip's testimony is simply that he has met Jesus And when the pushback comes and when he says, well, explain a bit further, he says, why don't you just come and see it for yourself? Come and experience Jesus for yourself. And then it's Nathanael's encounter with the all-knowing God that transforms his mind and his heart to point him towards belief. It's the partnership of of this divine knowledge of Jesus knowing and and loving each person, as well as human action of sharing a testimony, of sharing the gospel, of witnessing to the goodness of Jesus that brought Nathanael to Jesus. Right? Philip was necessary, and then Jesus, when he has his attention, he, can, he, he, he pokes at, at Philip's heart to where he can proclaim Jesus as king. Right, Testimony is an important piece for people coming to know the salvation of Jesus. It's not what saves people. Right? It's the Holy Spirit through the resurrection of Jesus. But it is something that, that we have been so honored by the creator of the universe that we get to take a part in it. We get to partner with him in, in helping people experience who God is and then witnessing to it. And once again, so when we see um, how Philip talks to Nathanael, we start to see the diamond-like characteristic of, of gospel sharing again, right? Jesus has given, is given seven titles in the passage that we read today. He says, Lamb of God, He's Son of Man, Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, Rabbi, and King. And each title within this narrative helps someone understand who Jesus is, His divinity, and, and how He is the Savior of the world. Right, and, and and each one was was unique and important for the person that it was spoken to. Right? Andrew didn't come to Simon and say, We found him, Jesus of Nazareth. Simon would have been like, Did we lose him? Like, who is he? Right? Likewise, like like uh, Philip didn't go to Nathaniel and say, like, we we found him, the rabbi. He's like, okay. <laughs> Right, there was very specific we you know, Simon is is we found him, the Messiah. And and for Nathaniel, it's it's we found him, the, the one that the prophets and Moses testify about. And the reason that's important, we see Nathaniel and, and the way that he responds to Jesus, and the way that Jesus responds to him, it seems like he's really rooted in, in a study of the Old Testament. Right? So so his response to Jesus when when he comes to understand his divinity is you are the king of Israel. Right? That's really coming from, from the prophecies, uh, or the, the prophets at, who prophesy of this, this king-like figure coming to save the world. And then Jesus' response to him, you will see uh, angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. That comes from Genesis 28, where, where Jacob is wrestling with God, and he sees this staircase between heaven and earth. And Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you're going to see this, I am that staircase. I am the, the link between heaven and earth. Come and see and so this shows that, that sharing the gospel, that witnessing, that, that sharing of the goodness of Jesus, it's dynamic, it's alive, because God is dynamic and God is alive. Right? There's no one way, there's no one formula. You imagine my, my conversation in the car again, if, if my friend was talking, he said, man, I feel so isolation, I, I need to drink to connect with people. And I was just like, yeah, and, and drinking in excess is a sin, so you should probably like get right with God also. And like, I'm, it's not that that's wrong. But there is this element to say that different words and, and speaking into brokenness, it, it falls on broken ears in, in different ways. I want to explain that better. But, but it's the idea that different facets of who Jesus is, different ways that he heals, we're able to share that in different contexts because of how God has, has revealed himself to each one of us right? And it doesn't make any aspect of the gospel any less true. It's not cheaping out on the gospel, but it's just saying that there are certain situations that that certain aspects become more prominent, more influential. And this isn't just to like try and find people in their most vulnerable state, (laughs) to to try and like bring them in, because this this isn't for our own betterment. This is me seeing everyone around me And wanting them to experience life and experience abundance and experience joy. And so when they highlight to me something that's broken in their life, I want to highlight to them something that's a solution to that brokenness. And for them to experience God. And so my prayer for all of us in this is is a boldness to begin to learn the language of the gospel that's been apparent in our own lives. right? Not to take someone else's testimony, not to take a formula necessarily, but to, to sit and to reflect and to pray, God, how have you revealed yourself to me? And how can I share that with someone else today, this week? How have you healed, delivered, saved, and convicted me? And now how are you sending me to share that good news with others? And a challenge uh, for today too is uh, as we wrap up here and and as if you feel that kind of call and you feel that, that stirring to share, share the gospel with someone in this building. Right, this, this can actually be a good training ground for gospel proclamation and just, hey, this is how God has worked in my week and this is how I see Jesus alive and well. Because, I mean, I even need to hear the gospel. Sam, you need to hear the gospel once in a while? Yeah. <laughs> so sharing the gospel with one another, going out and using this, this experience, this language that God's given us, how the power and story of the gospel is operating in your life. And if you're someone who, who hasn't proclaimed that belief or, or, or hasn't believed in the gospel, then this is actually a moment to maybe of boldness for you. You're here, you're searching, you're seeking, going up to someone and saying, why is this real to you? Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand, right? Because I believe that God has, has spoken to, to many people in this room, has revealed himself to many people in this room, and there are walking testimonies all around us, right? And so don't, don't leave this place without hearing and sharing the goodness of God in your life. And that's now how we're transitioning. We're coming into communion. And so communion is... Am I doing communion? Or are you doing Yeah, perfect. Okay. Communion is this, uh, this reality of, of Jesus as Savior. Jesus as healer, Jesus as a deliverer of, of those who have been held captive to sin and who have been brought into life, right? It's, it's based off of the Passover celebration, uh, which is what John the Baptist was proclaiming in the beginning of our of our passage, right? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's, it's Jesus becoming this ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. And so we eat the bread to remember that that his body was broken for our sin, and we drink the wine, or it's juice, we drink the juice, <laughs> to remember that his blood was shed so that ours uh, isn't and we can have eternal life in him. And so I invite everyone, we're going to invite the worship team to come on up. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to line up on each side and we're going to come, receive the elements and then we'll sit down and and reflect on it and then we'll take it together. Um, Yeah, and just take that moment to really come face to face with God, enter into this conversation to say, I believe in you, you have transformed me where do you want me to share? Where, where do you want me to share with someone else? Who do you want me to share with? Because um, this, this is the challenge. We get to go out now with this question or this response. Come and see. So I'll bet you all to come up and.